You're listening to The Table Podcast, a podcast created for millennials to talk about spiritual truths, answer your questions about God, the Bible, and all things spiritual, and to give practical advice on how to live out your faith. Here's your host, teaching and young adult pastor at Southern Hills Church in Carrollton, Georgia, Keith Trollinger. Well, what is up, podcast listeners? It's the first week of June, and no doubt is the temperature starting to show that we are in summer. Well, I know that many of you who are listening to this today, you are probably struck with many different emotions. It's interesting that last week we talked about redemption, and this week we're talking about restoration. And I can say, at least for this podcast, I don't think the timing could be any better. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the gospel and how the gospel is not a one-time isolated event. In fact, it's all throughout the Bible, but it's in four distinct parts. In the first part of this series, we talked about creation in Genesis, how God breathed and he put his image on everything that he created and that it was intended to be perfect. He said that it was good and that's God's shalom, his perfect peace was on the earth. And that man and woman were to rule over everything. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them to rule over the earth and to care for it and to experience perfect fellowship. No pain, no struggle, no division, no tension, perfect fellowship with each other and perfect fellowship with God. And then in one small decision to eat from a tree, which God had told Adam not to eat from, they disobeyed, resulting in sin. And in that split decision, perfect shalom, came to an end. Separation from the garden and separation from God. And as a result, pain and suffering. Wars and what you and I are seeing today and some of you are experiencing racism. I mean, this is a part of the fall. It's catastrophic what took place after Adam and Eve decided to eat from that tree. But God the Father would not leave it there. As we saw last week, he made a way for redemption through the blood of his sacrifice of his son Jesus. Jesus paid for our sin. He made a way for us to be back in relationship with the Father. He redeemed us. And whereas the fellowship with God is not perfect because we struggle with sin and we still suffer, it is redeemed. God has redeemed us. He is redeeming our story. And this leads us to the last part of the gospel narrative, which is restoration, being restored. The dictionary defines the verb restore as to bring back to or put something back to its original state. Another definition, the action of returning something to a former owner, place or condition. I mean, I love this idea of returning something to its original state. Oftentimes, things get worn down, right? Abused, neglected, things get tarnished by the environments around them. And dude, what Christ does is he unearths us from years of compaction that is brought on by sin. In 1986, around the Sea of Galilee in Israel, there's this incredible story of these two guys who are just walking around along the banks of the Sea of Galilee. And at this time, for whatever reason, there was a drought and water was extremely low on the Sea of Galilee. And these guys who had already had some form of desire to be archaeologists, in fact, I probably would say that they had called themselves archaeologists, they're walking the banks of the Sea of Galilee and they come across some nails in an area that had once been covered by water. And as they continue to search and search, finding these nails and starting to sort of dig a little bit deeper and look further, they discovered strips of wood. And then going even further, they discovered that the wood had not been separated or destroyed, but that it was actually intact. And so immediately they realized that they had stumbled upon a boat. 
And they ended up calling these archaeologists, in fact, I think they're called marine archaeologists, but they call these archaeologists who were on the Mediterranean Sea who were looking at other ships or unearthing other ships. And so they call these archaeologists and they say, hey, look, you got to come to the Sea of Galilee. You got to check out what we have possibly found. And so these professional archaeologists, not really sure that what these two local guys had stumbled upon was really something to make a special trip, decided that they would go and check it out. And once they had arrived and started to do their own excavation, removing layers of sort of muddy soil, they indeed found a ship that was more than 2,000 years old. In fact, they actually call this ship the Jesus ship because it dates back to the time of Christ. It is debated by many that this is the most significant archaeological find in modern history. And it is really an incredible sight to see. I mean, I've seen this thing with my own eyes twice when I've been to Israel. There are many interesting things about this ship, not only tying it back to the time of Christ, but the point that I'm trying to make here is that what thousands of years of lake waters rising and following, depositing layers of dirt over this ship, and now it's been unearthed, it had been brought back and restored. In their restoration of this ship, they discovered 12 different types of wood that had been used to make the boat. I mean, this is significant because 12 is a number that is used often in scripture. And the 12 different types of wood is also significant because they are significant types of wood in the Bible as well. But you see, this is what Jesus does. He restores us. Restoration is about bringing you back. Restoration is about unearthing years of lies and false beliefs that you've accepted because of the environment and culture in which you've grown up in. It's about unearthing years of pain and loss and restoring you to what God intended for you. Even more is the discovery within the 12 different types of wood and how each wood is significant in the Bible because God's restoration in our life also reveals things about you that you forgot about yourself. Things about you that may have been hidden or tarnished or worn down over time because of sin and failure. God brings those things to the surface again and he reminds you of who you are in him. He reminds you of how worthy you are. He reminds you of how purposeful you are. And he reveals his image that he created you in. That you are fitted with uniqueness and significance. I mean, this is restoration. This is what Jesus does. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is Paul writing. And he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's restoration. Our old way of thinking, old habits, patterns, beliefs that have been covered up in mud and muck. Christ restores all of that and brings back what is true about us to the surface. God wants to bring back joy in your life. And he wants to bring hope back. And he wants to bring purpose back. And he wants to bring your dreams back again. This is restoration. And look, as redeemed people that we talked about last week, Christ has redeemed us. Not only does this happen in us, but we also take part in helping restore people and communities around us. I mean, part of this is the renewing of our minds. When you read in Romans chapter 12, we've gone over this verse in previous podcasts, but it tells us not to conform to the pattern of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I mean, this is restoration. Many of us have believed lies about ourselves that are not true. They are phrases that we've heard or that we've been told to us when we were kids or beliefs that we've 
acquired because of circumstances or events that have happened in our life. And as a result of that, we struggle and we have pain and we have false beliefs about ourselves. And Jesus renews our thinking. He restores our beliefs about ourselves and he shows us what is true about ourselves and what's true about others. And that's key. What is true about others? I mean, today it must be said that racism is evil. It's pure evil. That there is injustice towards black people and it has to anger the father. It has to move the father. He will be moved. Racism will not have its victory. It may win a battle, but it will come to an end one day. And the father will have the final say on racism and all of sin. I mean, here's the truth. In Romans 12, 17, 20 through 21, Paul writes, Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. And then he goes on to say, do not avenge yourselves. It's not you to avenge. It's not you to get back, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to the Lord. God says, I will repay. It's my job, God says, for vengeance. It's not your job. And he finishes this verse by saying, if your enemy is hungry, then feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heat coals of fire on his head, basically leading him to truth. And then he says at the end of this verse in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Guys, we have to protest evil with love. We have to protest evil with good. We are restorers and we are called to restore with truth and love. Look, Jesus is not popular, especially right now. And his message is hard, but his message leads people to freedom, to healing, to hope. Jesus is the answer to racism. I mean, there's no governmental program, no hashtag. It's Jesus. It's the gospel. That is the answer. And it is not popular, but it's the truth. You know, I hear often one thing that blacks want, and honestly, this is the beginning of restoration. When it comes to racism, and if you struggle with racism, this is the beginning of restoration in your heart and building restoration back towards black people. But I hear often that one thing that blacks just want us to understand and to accept and to confess one way that can begin healing for whites is to just acknowledge that injustice exists and to be empathetic toward it. I mean, this is the beginning of restoration. And as a redeemed people filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to be advocates of restoring cultures and cities and communities and neighborhoods and people and our friends back to their original state, back to the way that God intended for us to live and to move and breathe. You and I are participants in the restoration. We get, to, we get to participate in restoring people back. And so I implore you to grab a hand and begin leading a friend and sharing with them the gospel, showing them the gospel by how you live. Because leading that friend in restoration just might change a neighborhood, which just might change a community, which just might change a city that could change a culture. And one day, man, we will all be perfectly restored. I mean, this is the other great hope of the gospel is that not only does restoration begin now, but there's also restoration of all those who are in Christ Jesus to perfection, that we will be perfectly 
restored when Jesus Christ returns and we enter into eternity. We enter into heaven. I mean, this is God's plan all along. Like I said, God never intended for us to experience pain and suffering. But when we read of our future hope in Revelation 21, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So now they are together again, the way it was in the garden. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is why we know that Jesus is the answer. That yes, one day racism will come to an end. And as people who get to participate in God's restoration process now, one at a time, man, we can acknowledge that injustice exists and we can be empathetic toward that and be participators in God's restoration process now and point people to this great hope in the future. I mean, do you see it? This is the gospel and you can't make this stuff up. This is perfect restoration and the hope that we have. I mean, this is the Garden of Eden restored where everything intended, where everything began. And we have that hope and this hope will not disappoint us. I mean, this is the gospel and it all starts with an incredible creation, perfect peace, which led to a fall, which led to redemption, which led to restoration with God restoring the earth and making all things new, bringing things back the way that he intended them to be perfect, complete because of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and him conquering death for us. We have hope of eternal life. So I hope you've enjoyed this series on the gospel and maybe you'll go back and re-listen to it again and again, but I want to encourage you to share the gospel story with people that you love and people that you care about and share with them that hope is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And maybe for yourself, these last few weeks have given you a full understanding of the gospel. And I hope that it is restoring you. I hope that you are seeing things different. Well, that's all the time that we have for this week. I want you to be praying for our nation. And maybe for you, it's to take a step to be used by God to bring truth where it's needed. Like I said, Jesus is not popular, but he is truth. And I would ask you this week to stand in the gap for someone. Acknowledge that injustice exists and that Jesus is the answer. And begin leading others into a redeeming, restoring relationship with Jesus. I love you guys. Hope you have an incredible week. I'm praying that things will change, man. And maybe you can be an incredible advocate for change this week. We love you. I love you. Have an awesome week. I'll see you guys this time next week.